Bitcoin changes absolutely everything. Hello, beautiful people. First things first, a big shout out to each and every one of you for tuning in. I hope you've been soaking up all the value we've been dishing out in every episode. Now here's the scoop. We're all about keeping things chill and ad-free. Yep, you heard it right. No pesky ads interrupting your listening experience. We're all in on this value-for-value model. Oh, but wait, there's more. Ever heard of Podcasting 2.0? We're talking about apps like Breeze and Fountain. Tune in with those apps and guess what? While you're enjoying our banter, you're earning sats. And here's a twist. You can use those sats to give us a boost or stream them our way. It's like high-fiving us through the airwaves. But hey, the fun doesn't stop there. You can also support the show by subscribing and sharing it with your friends and family. Alright folks, now it's showtime. What's in there? Only what you take with you. Hey Devon, we finally get to doing this. How, how's yeah. it going? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going excellent. Yeah, we've kind of um, uh, missed each other a few times and put it off yeah. for a while, but uh, yeah, it's good to finally do this. Yep, yep. I mean, uh, let's address the first uh, question for the audience itself. Like, who is T-Bone? Who is T-Bone? Um, Interesting question, and I, don't, I, I honestly can't even remember where uh, the name T-Bone came from, but um, it's kind of stuck with me now as far as my um, Bitcoin brand, if you want to, if you want to put it that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, I suppose when I when I first got into Bitcoin, I I understood the potential threats and security and privacy issues around it, so. I um, had T-Bone as a nickname then, and um, I kind of continued to use it um, as a pseudonym. And then um, later into my Bitcoin journey, um, coincidentally, I changed my diet to predominantly carnivore, and the, the nickname kind of fit, so I just kept running with it. Oh, nice. So, so the nickname came before the diet. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And yes, so when did you sort of discover Bitcoin or find Bitcoin? What year was that and how how did that happen? Yeah, I think, um, well, it was around late 2013, I think, um, Mm -hmm. when I found it. Um, I'd never heard of it before. And um, I was working remotely at the time, so I had very little... Um, family and friends around me while mm. I was working. Um, so I had a lot of free time on my hands. So um, I decided to like read more books because I, I wasn't really much into reading. And I just went to the, the Kmart or whatever and mm. found this book called The Silk Road. And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Read the blurb on it and um, started reading this book called Silk Road. And chapter one was about the money um, and how the money worked um on that marketplace and um i still have the book today but i've I've never actually read past chapter one because um it it intrigued me so much so i put the book down and started learning about bitcoin um and then uh, after that fact i kind of reverse engineered my thoughts about why i understood bitcoin so quickly Mm. and i connected it to 
um, some activities in my past, um, predominantly around uh, video games and um, pirating software, um, yeah. which, which I did in high school. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the connection was uh, I, I subconsciously understood what um, digital scarcity was, but not in a decentralized manner, because I'd always um, I was pirating these video games and, and yeah. software packages at school and um, and selling them to mates. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I think in the back of my mind, I, I understood that I was by doing that, I was ripping someone off because someone was pouring their time and energy into into writing these software packages. Okay. Um, and as the years went on, it was more and more difficult to pirate. Um, yeah that software because they added, you know, CD keys. And then mm -hmm. um, there was always ways around it, which I continued to, you know, pursue. And then it got to a point where to play a particular video, I forget what the, the game was, but there was a particular video game and to play it, you had to log into a server and okay. put put your email address in or something to prove was that it you'd purchased the game. Yeah, was it a first-person shooter game? Sort of I, I don't even remember. I, oh, okay. I wasn't even playing it at the time. It was just that there was kids at school that wanted it. And no, I'm, like, I, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. It's like they've stumped me. They've figured out mm. how to make it so you can't duplicate this game. And that was the end of my piracy um, <laughs> phase. Um, and I thought they've done it. They've figured out um, digital scarcity. But what I didn't realize at the time was that it was in a centralized fashion. So the idea was, you know, if the centralized server went down or decided to kick you off or whatever, um, that would be a central point of failure. And then when I read about Bitcoin, um, I fully understood this is the same thing, but in a decentralized manner. And that blew my mind. Wow, interesting. Yeah, because the decentralized aspect only comes, I mean, only came with Bitcoin, right? Like not with piracy and yeah, not with uh, torrenting or anything of that sort. I guess torrenting in a way is decentralized. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that would be, but, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not digital scarcity because essentially yeah. when you torrent mm -hmm. something, you're making um, exact replicas of a digital asset and they are usable by anyone who downloads that asset. Yep, yep, makes sense, yeah. I mean, I sort of had a similar, yeah, a, a similar story. I don't think I mentioned, or probably I mentioned on a different part, but uh, back in 2011, I, I came across Bitcoin and, uh, and yeah, I was still in college back then. So I was like playing, online games and I thought oh this is like some easy easy way to make some extra money and I have to just install these softwares and keep my computer on and I had that on for about a week or maybe a little over but my game started lagging so I deleted everything <laughs> yeah. oh that's a shame <laughs> yeah. in, in 2013 were there were there uh, your seed words or past like yeah seed phrase. yeah okay yeah because yeah, um, 2011 it was just a string of yeah yeah I, I think I, I I probably well I think Bitcoin probably found me at um at the perfect time for me um mm. 
I, I not unlike a lot of other people, um, my main influence came from Andreas Antonopoulos um, yeah. and his uh, early videos, mm-hmm. um, which meant that I wasn't in a situation where I got goxed or anything like that. It was um, I, I knew how to store my Bitcoin um, from very early on. Um, and so did that safely. So yeah, speaking about saving your Bitcoin safely, something that we discussed offline was, uh, or probably like a few weeks ago was how to position yourself for a million dollar Bitcoin. You want to yeah. Yeah, elaborate <laughs> on that? Yeah. Oh okay, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, I guess that's the clickbait, isn't it? Like million yeah, dollar yeah, Bitcoin, yeah. you see, you see a million dollars, and and um, it sounds pretty good. And you know, like for the record, I'm not that bearish on Bitcoin. You know, I think we're going we're going a lot higher than million dollars. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Oh, just before you go, like interestingly enough, like last night there's like people are like I think with, with this even the small pump that we had recently, right? Like on the past few days. Uh, I had people at the gym like, oh, start talking about Bitcoin and crypto now. And like, this is like older people, like they are like someone in their 50s. And it's like, oh, I made like, uh, I've been trading. And I was like, oh. and I'm slowly trying to tell them like, yeah, just, just, yeah, put everything into Bitcoin and forget about the rest. You get burned. But I guess they want to get burned first. And then <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if it's avoidable. I mean, you can, you can talk people's ear off and depending yeah. on how well you know them, they'll listen to you. But at, at the end of the day, I think everyone has to, you know, go through a little bit of a shitcoin phase to mm. come out the other end stronger. Um, I think, you know, I speak on behalf of most of the people in the Bitcoin community. We've all got shit on our hands. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You want to go back to that? Uh, yeah. Positioning yourself. Yeah. I mean, the idea behind that is um, not so much finding a price target and um <clears throat> you know hoping that it gets there or whatever we all kind of know which way bitcoin's going in the long run mm. but um i guess it comes down to um when, when you when you fully understand what bitcoin is um you look at it you always look at it as a long-term asset and once you start doing that you've got to i think you've got to really look at what you're doing in the present and base that on uh, a higher value of Bitcoin, whether that be um, how you're saving your wealth at the moment or how you're um, being more frugal with your spending or whether it's Mm. upgrading your security now based on a higher value um, so that you're ready um, when the price does start to really pump because I think we know that's where it's going. And um, I guess it's about being ready now, positioning yourself. So you're not, um, you know, you're not trying to chase your tail as far yeah. as um, upgrading your security too late or um, being private too late, mm-hmm. um, whatever it might be. So, I mean, so someone might be listening to this and wondering, like, what sort of, I mean, do you have any tips and suggestions for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So if you want to look at Bitcoin as an investment um, and compare it to a traditional investment like buying a house or buying houses, investment properties, Mm. um, 
you can look at it um, in a similar light. If you buy a bunch of investment properties, they require maintenance. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin um, that really hits home with me is that Bitcoin re requires very little maintenance. And when I say very little maintenance, I mean, I, I don't mean zero because this is what I'm talking about. You need to be proactive about um, mm. your security and privacy, um, your legacy plan um, and looking into the future um, for you know, potentially how you can live on a Bitcoin standard. Um, yeah. So having flexible but solid plans in place um, now, I think, is very important. Um, and also, um, there's a few other nuances like countermeasures for top-down threats like... Um, being secure with i mean th this is about money monetary security um but i think this extends to a lot of other aspects like energy security food security um you know a lot of other things in life that that we should be sort of projecting into the future and looking to put in place now basically being sovereign or being self-sufficient sort of right like having your basic needs secured at least being proactive about it, you know, I'm not, mm. I'm not suggesting to everyone you should, you know, go on buy a hundred acres and and go on, you know, <laughs> build, build a farm and and be completely disconnected from the grid and you know, yeah. create your own sovereign city out there. But um, if if you go to the other extreme and just don't do anything um, about it and you live in a big city and um, and you're not being proactive about any of these aspects, then I think you're going to get to a point where you're scrambling and there's a lot of things in life that will, I guess, th threaten your way of life and it just won't be a good lifestyle for you. And no, no. you've got to be prepared now and, and, and you'll be, you know, essentially stress-free and enjoy your life if, if you've got those preparations in place. Yeah, makes sense. It's that old saying right like precaution is better than the cure yeah exactly exactly in, in terms of bitcoin security or securing the bitcoin do you have like any suggestions or like i mean i guess it's subjective to the person's needs but best practices or anything of that sort you want yeah absolutely um i think if you're new to bitcoin um, you're probably um, you probably think you're halfway down the rabbit hole, whereas you you've probably just dipped your toe into the rabbit hole. Um, you'll probably at some point start reading about financial collapses in throughout history in in certain countries and regions. Okay. Um, once you kind of get that concept and and then understand why you're actually a bitcoiner, you'll have a better understanding why there's so many people in the Bitcoin community screaming at the new guys, get your money off the exchange, get your coins off the exchange. Yeah. And the concept of not your keys, not your coins. So first and foremost, control your own keys, whatever that looks like, whether it be um, investing in a, in a good signing device or um, I don't know, you, you do you, you figure it out, um, yeah. do the work, 
um, do the research on signing devices, um, talk to the plebs um, and figure out what works best for you. But, you know, number one step is if you have Bitcoin, well, if you have Bitcoin on an exchange, you don't have Bitcoin. Um, yeah. That is someone else holding your Bitcoin for you. And, and when it comes to like, so I guess, what are your thoughts about using an exchange and then using and and or buying or earning or buying Bitcoin P2P? Uh, as in non KYC? Non KYC. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that that's one of the other threats that I see is, mm. um, you know, governments are if they are considering things like Bitcoin or if they do consider Bitcoin as a threat to their um, central banking system, um, which is becoming more and more of a rea reality, they are going to try and confiscate people's Bitcoin um, or at least conf confiscate their wealth. Um, yeah. And if their wealth is held in Bitcoin, um, people might be forced to sell it and um, recoup mm. through taxes or... Um, yeah, so, I mean, ideally, if you can find somewhere where you can get Bitcoin P2P um, and not go through the the hoops that the uh, that the government um, asks through um, mm. uh, the laws around KYC AML, um, yeah. that's going to be beneficial for you in the long run because, um, you know, that's what Bitcoin's all about. It's, it's P2P money, so buy it if you can, P2P, yeah. or earn it, as you suggest. The best way to get Bitcoin is by earning it um, because mm. you're providing something of value and someone else is paying you for that value um, in a sound money. And that's that's the purest form of acquiring Bitcoin, in my opinion. Right, right, yeah. And, I mean, do you want to unpack, like, why is that uh, buying through a KYC places uh, more of a threat? Is it like you, you're because there's that database of all these users that have signed up with their identity, and potentially governments could ask for the uh, like reporting on it. I I think like uh, yeah, I probably published this in a few weeks, but as of to, uh, as of yesterday or the day before, Kraken has released something or so, or something. Someone pointed out or there's news about Kraken. Uh, given all their user data to the government or to the US government at least yeah yeah I mean that's that's what I mean like they will they will do whatever they can to um, collect all of the the users data from from these exchanges um, mm. so that they know exactly what's going on with the money and they will say that it's for our safety and that they're trying yeah. to you know reduce terrorism through use of bitcoin or whatever their agenda is in that particular month <laughs> um but the you know the other side of it um that is probably less considered is um and you spoke about the, the idea of these exchanges being a honeypot of yes. information it's not just, you know, the legal ramifications of them having to give that customer data away. It's also the potential threat of um, those exchanges being hacked. Yeah, yeah. Um, that data is is worth a huge amount of money mm. um, 
to the to the right or wrong people um so it's you know and, and uh, you know i think governments probably ignore this when they write laws but this is a massive risk to consumers that um right. that are looking to to acquire some bitcoin yeah i mean uh, just from what happened recently there was a leak of the people that purchased the blockstream jade wallet uh, uh, signing device right and yeah. uh, emails got leaked and similarly with uh, ledger devices probably a few years ago and i remember with the ledger devices there were people that were getting uh, like spam email there were people that were getting tre- uh, threatened like oh if you don't send me x y and z bitcoin then i'm gonna come and smash your cars i know where you live and and exactly. and yeah and then and with these leaks then and if you're using the same sort of email address or the same sort of uh there's other leaks that happen as well like with social media or other like even governments get uh, like in victoria the driver's license or the can't remember. Vic Rhodes got hacked, right? Uh, and Optus got hacked as well. I, so, I was part of the Optus hack. Yeah, so, I was part yeah. of the Optus. I switched providers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> since, uh, but so so a hacker can take like oh this information from the exchange that got hacked and this Optus hack, for example, and then sort of link link them together and yeah make a profile on an individual, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, yeah, they can connect the dots, um, and and certainly that information, um, particularly if they connect the dots um, to find out who a person is and how much Bitcoin they might have or what kind of devices they have, mm-hmm. that information is worth a lot of money to the, to the right or wrong people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and I guess the, I was chatting chatting about this with this other guy named V for Bitcoin. And yeah, he's sort of pointed out like oh, when Bitcoin is going, as you say, like it'll go up to a million dollars and there's even like lesser amount of Bitcoin that's available to purchase. Uh, there's going to be more of uh, more people attempting to hack or yeah, basically steal Bitcoin than people trying to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that's <laughs> it's a scarce asset, you know, people rob like if you wind back the clock 50 years people were robbing or um, burglarizing people's houses to find gold jewelry yes um because it is a you know at the time a sound form of money something worth value and i I think it'll be no different um with bitcoin maybe um a little different in the fact that it's a it's a digital asset but Mm. um people will be looking for hardware devices and um you know bits of paper with 12 words written on it um yeah yeah. you know it's slightly different but it's the same concept yeah yeah there's probably not going to be like a like i I keep seeing people on the beach uh going with these metal devices to look for gold right like this yeah i don't know if someone will invent something of that sort to find (laughs) well i mean they they have i mean um a a classic example um the other day i was listening to uh the podcast i think between uh peter mccormick and michael dunworth and um yeah (laughs) michael dunworth put 
um, put a seed, uh, seed phrase on GitHub, on his GitHub, yes. ac- accidentally uh, with half a Bitcoin on it, um, wanting it to get to Peter McCormack. And um, it, it was up there for a matter of seconds before um, a bot that swept oh. GitHub for um, things that looked like private keys or seed words. Wow. And it basically stole those funds within seconds. Um, so that would be the modern modern day metal detector, I would imagine. Mm, mm, okay, yeah, 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 makes sense. I mean, that's just with looking for words, right? I, I guess these bots could even look for images that have words on them. Yeah. Virtual, yeah. Yeah, and you know, with the mm. with AI going parabolic on, yeah. on that development, there's no reason why, um, you know, it, it's going to be searching. Like, I guarantee you that this is happening right now. There's there's bots that are just trawling the internet for for anything mm. that looks like Bitcoin stuff. Wow. Yeah. Even yeah. just to switch gears here, why the emphasis on privacy? I mean, I guess we sort of uh, touched upon that with Bitcoin, but yeah, is any other reasons? Um, not so much, but going back to the um, projecting into the future aspect, it's like mm. you might you might buy a million sats today, um, which is probably not enough for someone to come to your house and break in and try and find your signing device and then trying to hack the signing device and, you know, holding a gun to your head to try and steal a million sats. Mm. But if you project that into the future and you don't look at your privacy now and you haven't changed anything and, you know, let's say you... I don't know. Let, let's say you use your home address to buy a hardware wallet and that's connected to um, a, an exchange where you use the same email address on that and someone connects the dots and finds out that you've got a hardware device and it controls the keys that control a million sats mm. and you live at a certain address. Not a big deal right now, but that information's on the internet forever. So if someone yeah. comes back in mm. 20 years' time and that's a substantial amount of Bitcoin. Not to mention they can probably see if that exchange gets hacked that you've been constantly buying for 20 years. Right. Then it becomes a, a massive security problem mm-hmm. in the future. So it, I, I guess what I'm saying is be proactive now. Um, this, is, this goes back to when I first found Bitcoin. Um, I mentioned that I understood the importance of controlling my own keys thanks to Andreas Antonopoulos when, when I first listened to him. And I did that from from the word go. Um, so I've always had yeah. that good practice in mind. Um, and that idea was, I know what this asset is. I know what it's going to do over, over, over the long term. Um, so, you know, the, the Bitcoin I was buying in 2013 um, to me, it was million dollar Bitcoin then. Mm. Mm. And when I say I, I, when I say million dollar Bitcoin, you know, again, I'm being bearish on that and underestimating yeah. what it could be. But you know, just for turn of phrase, a million dollar Bitcoin is is what I was buying then. Yeah. Okay. Now, so I mean, so you want to be private in a way that. Uh, 
one is like you're not only purchasing on these exchanges and but also private in the way uh, you're using social media or privacy digital privacy and like to what extent are you taking like these and what sort of precautions are you taking now uh, I can certainly think of uh, many others of, of my peers that take privacy a, a lot more seriously than I do. So okay. there is there is a sliding scale there. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. Um, some people take privacy a whole lot more seriously than me, but um, the amount of work and energy that goes into that um, <laughs> is phenomenal. And kudos to them. Um, I think you know, and I, th I think some of the things that they build and they they develop, some of the tools that can be used, are fantastic, yep. and we should be learning how to use them. But um, you know, I, t I take it relatively seriously. Um, mm. I, I think there's definitely more I could do in terms of privacy, but um, you know, if you look at the extremes, um, there's a lot of people that that have the idea that oh, it, all of my information's on the internet already. My, yes. I, my full ID is on the internet. My phone number's there. My emails are all there. Mm -hmm. um, so what's the point? Um, yes. And I think if you take, if you take that stance, you're, you're kind of, you've given up. And I think mm. it's important that every little step that you take is, is a positive thing for your privacy. Um, and if you just give up on it, then, um, you're probably going to regret it in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, speaking of people that take it to the extremes or they're like extremely concerned, I don't, uh, I'm not sure, I guess you're familiar with Janine. Uh, she writes, she writes about privacy and she presented at Bitcoin conferences about privacy. Sure. Yeah, she she doesn't yeah have a smartphone. She doesn't yeah. I mean, when she's traveling, she uses like these GPS devices that are used in cars to navigate around the city. And yeah, I mean, I was I was very fortunate. I was in um I was in Riga earlier this year, and oh, yeah. um um the Honey Badger conference there had a one of their rooms was yes the cypherpunk um, room the cypherpunk room right yeah, and yeah. um. Basically, uh, they were very strict on um, keeping your devices in your pocket and mm -hmm. no filming and no recording. And um, that was very refreshing. Um, nice. I spent, I, I think I spent most of my time in that room, um, particularly because the speakers there, um, Janine included, um, yeah. were fascinating to hear from in, in regards to privacy and security. I mean, yeah, given that you had, uh, you attended that and you uh, like spend most of your time, as I said, in that room, do you want to, can you share some aspects that, or any learnings from that? Um, n not so much more than what I've already sort of spoken about. Okay. Um, there was a lot of technical stuff spoken about in there. Um, okay. I did learn a hell of a lot about um, mobile phones and SIM cards. Mm. Um, and uh, you know how they're used and yes. um yeah it, it's really interesting sometimes to learn about the devices and applications that we use every day 
just for mundane tasks mm. and then to see them from the other side and what what kind of information can be pulled from that um, it's kind of scary in some ways but um, look my my biggest advice would be get to one of these conferences and listen to some of these professionals um, mm. they, they are very knowledgeable and there's a lot of really good information you can get from them yeah yeah i mean i was listening to this guy named he calls himself silent link right like the the yeah. service provider it's a e-sim that they provide and he was saying that his previous job was actually in the telco industry so so the uh, so yeah, sim card providers are, cap are like they have the ability to listen in on your device even if you pop it into airplane mode <laughs> okay um, yeah. Well, yeah that's i mean it doesn't surprise me at all um yeah. You know, and like it doesn't, the, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're using Google or uh, using Android or Apple. Yeah, I mean, these are, all these operating systems and the actual physical devices that we use, um, it's generally closed source, um, mm. so we can't verify the code and, and fully understand what's going on in the background. But, um, yeah, I, again, like, <laughs> you can go to the nth degree and understand all of that um, yeah. and try and obfuscate all of the issues and privacy privacy and security issues of those devices mm -hmm. but that is a hell of a lot of work and mm. you know it's 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 a trade-off yeah yeah I can't, I can't remember which car company it must, must have been Mazda uh, but in their in their fine print it is like they can track your sex life <laughs> based on the conversation they're having in the car <laughs> and that's in their terms and conditions Oh, God. It, it came up like a, a week or two ago. Someone pointed it out. That's in their terms and conditions. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, Katan, I think last night itself was like, oh, reach, uh, like just put out like a post uh, saying like, oh, is there anyone working on any open source stuff uh, any uh, open source software for like to have it in your cars or any car well i mean i i, I think this is an important topic as well moving forward because mm. um cars are no longer a mechanical a, a dumb mechanical beast that you know if something goes wrong with it you open the open the bonnet and you right. tinker around with it and you fix it up it's now a essentially a uh, tracking slash listening device yeah it's it's, it's a it's a giant computer on wheels yeah and yeah. it's connected to the internet 24 mm. 7 and um car manufacturers have to obey the laws and legislation of the government and if the government <laughs> wants to take a certain narrative then you mm. know let me skip ahead a few lines and you're no longer allowed to drive more than 50 kilometers a day because you know uh, yes. the carbon tax limits or whatever and mm. they switch your car off for you, you know? yeah, yeah 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 i mean yeah and speaking of like your car so it's these internet devices right like the smart devices and they're popping up in every aspect of our life right like there's uh, smart lights and you have your smart smart fridge even and and yeah smart everything right <laughs> and basically yeah. yeah the footprint you're leaving is like uh, your entire schedule 
or like yeah your day-to-day and your conversations and everything gets left on the internet and depending if someone and as you pointed out like oh when when they already have information as to t-bone purchased bitcoin at x price and he owns this device and he used this exchange and he's been purchasing for all this while and now they can link that oh he has this smart fridge at home and like oh this is a, this is a schedule of a smart light so he's probably sleeping at this time and all of that can be linked and chained together right yeah <laughs> yeah it's scary stuff and and going back to the fact that you know a lot of people just give up you know mm. they might think you know apple already has all of my information so um what what does it make a difference if i get this alexa thing and you know i start talking to it in my house like it already knows who i am so i'm going to get this thing because it's convenient for me to turn the lights on and off without having to leave the couch (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and uh, i mean yeah my mom's been using one for the last four years each each time i visit normal like it's unplugged and kept <laughs> locked away but yeah uh, and, and and rightly so because like i had friends visiting i had like some uh, girlfriend's family visiting and like oh she she was telling us oh you guys are so private you don't use social media the mainstream social media like instagram or whatever put put your life out there right like they put your stories or this is what i had for lunch or this is what i had for dinner day in and day out so you don't do any of that <laughs> she's like oh you and as then we I started like sort of just briefly telling them the importance of privacy and it's like oh it doesn't matter because everything is already out there so I can't do anything about it and yeah it's hard yeah. to get that message across and it's the same sort of thing that it's like with shit coining right it's like people have to get burnt before they actually take uh, steps towards yeah towards their privacy or towards yeah, going bitcoin only it, it seems so. I, I think that's the easiest and quickest way to learn a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, some some people don't go through that phase, but um, most people do, and it's a it's a it's an easy lesson. It might feel very hard at the time, but um, yeah, it, you learn quickly if you get burnt. Yeah, yeah. Lately, I've been listening to like this. It's a new podcast that I came across. It's called Self Hosted. And then it's another one called Linux Unplugged, I think. It's by the same sort of guys that are running both. But yeah, these guys are like when setting up, they, they do want the luxury or the convenience of sitting on their couch and switching on their lights and all of that, right? But they've been building all of these stacks on like open source software. And yeah, so it's pretty cool. Like some of the stuff that they're doing is like their lights or they're automating their water heating and the water flow and yeah. So I guess like the uh, solution or the not solution. I mean the te- the technology is out there. Just taking those extra steps if you want to have that convenience for yourself. It's not as convenient as a plug and play device, but yeah, you got to sort of build it yourself. Yeah, and if you know if you understand the code behind it, you obviously um, and, and that's great to to research these things and to start building with them and to understand the code because then you have a better understanding of um, the downsides or the malicious potential mm. um, of these devices as well. Yep, yep. 
And that's not back. me. I, I, I don't understand <laughs> these things at all. So I just don't use them. <laughs> right. No, and it goes back to like, if you've gotten your hands dirty per se to build the, build the stuff. So you know how to fix it as well, right? And you, oh, you potentially know like where's the tweaks or yeah, you know what to do in a, if something goes wrong in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to the, uh, the car analogy, get yourself a, mm. an older or simpler vehicle, um, that's easy to fix and learn how to fix it yourself. So you, yeah. you're not relying on, I mean, these days you can't even rely on a general mechanic to fix the latest cars. You have yeah. to order in parts because they can't be fabricated you know mm. in australia you need to order microchips from from china generally um yeah. Yeah. to fix your car which you know makes very little sense yeah i mean speaking of cars just yesterday i saw there's like a somewhere in australia there's a charging port for electric vehicles powered by a diesel generator yeah well i mean <laughs> i mean that that's the whole thing isn't it you know all of the generally all of the charging ports around australia are powered by coal um <laughs> but yeah um that doesn't surprise me at all at all and, th and that would be the solution you know one of the biggest downsides to electric vehicles at the moment is that you can't take them on long journeys particularly in australia yep. because you need to plan out your route and figure out where the charging ports are mm. um and then you get these silly situations where you know they'll actually establish a charging port but it's sitting next to a diesel generator yeah 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 um have you been looking at any ai related stuff lately or experimenting with anything with what sorry ar did you say AI, yeah as in augmented reality no yeah, uh, so artificial intelligence. Oh, AI, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't been using it a lot, but I mm. it is something that absolutely fascinates me. Um, and I think it's something that should not be um, pushed to the back of your mind or ignored. Mm. Um, I, I, I sort of um, think about it in a very similar way as the introduction of the internet into mainstream, um, which, yeah, I think about my late grandparents, um, one of which saw the internet for what it was. And he was, my, my grandfather was about 80 years mm. at the time um, mm. when the internet became mainstream. And he, he was a very smart man. He looked at he looked at the internet as a as a tool that he could use um, nice. yeah. to um, research things and to to um, be more connected with his family. And um, he looked at it in a very positive light. And right. my grandmother, um, on the other hand, um, disregarded it because it was too complex and and too difficult to understand and it was this new technology mm. um and i think as if you look at things like the dot-com bubble um yep. there was businesses that just were like my grandmother and just um mm. thought it was a passing fad or it was too hard to understand and their business 
their businesses died through the dot-com yeah. bubble and the ones that embraced it you know like your amazons and and you know some Netflix. of the yeah it's yeah netflix it, and blockbusters like a big one now. yeah it's, it's a huge example um yeah. you know they they saw it for what it was and they thought this isn't going away let's you know let's ad adapt to this technology and um you know i see i see the same likeness with bitcoin as well like yeah. you can choose to ignore it um or think mm. it's it's no good for humanity um but you're just going to fall behind and you're just going to be late to the party and i the exact same thing can be said for AI. You can sure. look at it um, as this amazing tool that we've found and you can use it um, to benefit your life and, and the world around you. Um, or you can choose to look at it as this evil thing and you can try and stop it. <laughs> the reality is yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't stop it. It's here and it's here to stay. Um, and you know, I was talking to um, an author yesterday and they said, I don't like AI because mm -hmm. it's it's essentially now doing what I do. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't like that aspect that someone can use it as a tool and write a book in a fraction of the time that it takes me. And mm. I think what's happened is is they've fallen into that, you know, idea that it's it's bad. Right. It's like if you're an if you're an author, you should be using it as a tool to get ahead. You should acknowledge that if you don't use it, you're going to fall behind. True, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading this interesting sci-fi book. It always sort of comes up for me. Is that, and uh, it's two parallel stories. One one is like in the future, and one is in the past. And they're compare, and as you're pointing out, like AI as a tool or Bitcoin as a tool. So in the past, the written word was the tool. So like pen and paper was the tool. And uh, so this, there was a tribe that have, uh, was having a conflict as to which, like uh, around a section of the land, right? And uh, there's a young young boy in the tribe. He said, "Oh, there was a priest here ten years ago, and he made records of." Who, which tribe had that section of the land. So let's go and look at those records. And the tribe leaders pointed out is like, uh, you trust the word, like you trust this pen and paper thing and you don't trust my intellect as to like me knowing what's right for the tribe. And then in the future, there was like a, a father and a daughter and the, and the father was reluctant in installing this uh, fake eye that could record all your experiences and the daughter had it and and they had like a fight and like from the father's memory or, or the father's memory had faded it seems like the daughter was the evil one but then from the daughter's the, the daughter could actually go back and view what actually happened but the father was the one that had done the wrong yeah yeah yeah, yeah so looking at that as a tool rather than, than be worried about it um yeah. yeah 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 and uh yeah i guess and and and, and there's like a popular argument lately or oh, ai is going to take jobs but I, and that sort of came back with uh, the advent of like the industrial age as well right like people are like oh like all these machines are going to take our jobs but yeah. the people that embraced or learned the, learned to use those machines are the ones that's uh thrived in that period and same that go for now well, I think I think the interesting thing is I remember 
having this discussion, I'm going to say 15 years ago, we okay. were talking about AI and how AI is going to replace 75% of our jobs. And, mm. you, you know, like we all had this discussion. We've all been here before mm. and mm. we all kind of agreed and we didn't do anything about it. <laughs> like if yeah, you yeah, thought yeah. that your, your occupation and your profession was at threat or still think it is at threat through AI, which chances are it is, mm. do something about it. You know, like yeah, if, yeah, you just, yeah. if you just like use AI to mm. better yourself or to, you know, to pivot what you're doing to a better way um, rather than just deny it and not doing anything about it. It's, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the other thing that I think might be interesting, this might be a very unpopular opinion, but um, I've been thinking about AI in terms of what it can do for government. Because um, okay. I, I think we talk about it replacing a lot of our jobs. I think it's probably a positive thing if it replaces the jobs of all of our politicians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because um, when you have a robot doing that task, um, it can... It doesn't have feelings or opinions or anything. It, it takes the raw data from um, what the people might want, and yes, um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make emotional decisions. Um, and I think, you know, theoretically, if you take all of the money we're spending on government and you spend that money and energy on developing AI to govern a country, um, I think you're going to come out with a better outcome, quite honestly. Yeah. yeah. So a so few things that uh, popped to mind is, like, have you heard of bullshit jobs or the concept of bullshit jobs? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I mean, the government, uh, yeah, it's filled with all these bullshit jobs, right? But, yeah. Yeah. So if even if you take them away, there's nothing. It's not going to have like a real impact on society. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And then like just the other day, I was watching this new movie that's come out. It's called The Creator. And there's uh, there's a war between the humanity versus AI. Right. And and it sparked because there was like an attack in LA somewhere. Uh, that was pinned to the AI, but then like when they actually unpack it, it was like a human error that actually caused that uh, drop of the bomb. But yeah, it was labeled uh, like it was labeled as the AI is wrong. And these are like physical AI robots that are there and like, they get have partly human form. So it's a remake of Terminator. <laughs> uh, it, no, not exactly, because there's like one, one, two individuals, but yeah, this is like, like on the largest yeah. thing. Pretty cool, pretty cool movie. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't watch many, but like when it comes to sci-fi, like I like watching sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then and and yeah, I don't know if you heard uh, Marty Benz' recent uh, podcast with Whitney Webb. Uh, remind Maybe. me, what was that on? Sorry. What was that on? That was on. Uh, I guess it was on the the war, the Israeli Zionism and all of that, but also AI. And, uh, and, and, and I think she presented on this as well as like, uh, that the WEF is planning for a cyber pandemic. 
Uh, I didn't catch it, no. No, okay. So, so she was like uh, talking about the cyber pandemic and, and AI, how, how the government could say that, like, oh, we are using AI and, uh, and just create like this fake AI per se uh, and saying like, oh, this is the solution that AI has said or the solution that AI has recommended is that, for example, uh, we need to bomb Iraq. It's come from the AI. It's not we, we are not making the decision. AI is making the decision. They, we fed it all the information, and this is what it says we should. Yeah, do. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could yeah, use that. Yeah, they could use that in a way to actually do their do their bidding. Yeah. Yeah, and this just you know highlights again that it's very important to have these tools used in a decentralized fashion, so mm. that you know we can we can verify that you know, this is the best solution and we're not just being fed a narrative like we always have been. Yeah. Yeah. Devon, just to switch gears here and cover one last aspect is, uh, you, you, you sort of highlighted that in the start is your diet. Like what made you change your diet? What's your diet like currently? And like, uh, what sort of benefits you have? Yeah. Sure. It's, it's an interesting story. Um, basically, a few years ago, um, I was in a relationship um, which kind of like it got to a stage where um, I, I looked within myself and at my life and I didn't like where I was um, and who I was with. So I decided to end that relationship. Mm. And while I was in that relationship, um, and you know, rewinding a little bit, I, I've never been passionate about cooking. It's just not one of my things. I've tried a bunch of times to get interested and mm. to like create meals and stuff. It just like I look at a recipe and it says add a pinch of salt, and I'm like, well, how much is a pinch? <laughs> you know, like my my brain just doesn't work with it with that kind of information. So I've never been passionate about cooking. So in my previous relationship, um, my partner did all the cooking and mm. I, I did all the eating. Mm. And um, that was, at the time, I thought that was, what, what I was eating was beneficial to my health. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I, I looked at my, um, my figure and my weight and um, I wasn't happy with what I saw. Um, and put it down to basically portion control was was my enemy and maybe fitness as well. Um, so when when I ended that relationship, um, I had to, I guess, learn how to cook for myself. But okay. since I'm not passionate about cooking, like I just couldn't be stuffed. So hmm. I, I did the only thing I knew how to do and I put butter in a pan and put a piece of steak on it because um, I like steak. And I did that while I was kind of finding myself again and, and doing a bit of work on mm. myself mentally. Um, and over about a six month period of doing that, I noticed um, some crazy benefits to my health um, just by eating, eating beef. 
Yeah. Um, it was it's predominantly beef and eggs. I, I added eggs to my diet because I figured out how to cook e eggs and, and <laughs> figured out how to cook eggs. <laughs> Come on, man! Like I, like I said, <laughs> I, I I'm hopeless at this thing. So I'm cooking steak and eggs um, for about six months, and I I noticed all this extra energy. I started um, working out at the gym um, because I had energy and mm. um, this motivation, this drive to to better myself. Yeah. Um, the weight just started pouring off. Um, my physique completely changed. Um, and I was just, you know, driven to, to, to better myself. Um, and, you know, it was not only mentally, physically, um, it's just my whole life changed essentially. Um, and then it wasn't until probably a year or so later I started um, reading about seed oils, and um, okay, yeah. went went down the seed oil rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And then um, at a recent conference, uh, I heard uh, Dr. Max talk. I don't don't know if you're yep. familiar with Dr. Max. Dr. Max, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, he's like the biggest seed oil disrespecter out there. Mm, mm, <laughs> but mm. um, going through some of uh, the information that he presented um, just opened my eyes to how bad seed oils are. Um, right, yes. So I completely removed them from my diet. Um, yes. I have very little sugar in my diet. Predominantly, I am carnivore. It's, it's steak and eggs um, mm, mm. with the occasional sausage thrown in there. Um, and... You know, I've never felt better in my life. I've never felt more fit than I am today. Um, and that's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a big thing that uh, I've been researching this as well. And uh, one thing that happens is in that early phase that you mentioned where you were only eating eggs, uh, uh, sorry, only eating steaks, no eggs even, right? Like, and it was only steaks. Was there anything else? Uh, I'd say 90% beef steak, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so one thing that happens is, uh, or it's a concept of the elimination diet is there's people that only eat potatoes and they feel fine or they feel excellent, right? That's, that happens cause you're eliminating the rest of the other foods. That's probably causing different sorts of inflammation. And but, but but I'm not saying that I mean steak is the best sort of food that we have, right? Like but yeah, that's uh, that's one thing, and uh, and then I was listening to this guy named he, at least on Twitter he goes by Carnivo Aurelius, like Marcus Aurelius, but Carnivo Aurelius, and he was like he was this maxi on on the carnivore diet, right? Like he's like oh, you shouldn't be having orange juice or you shouldn't have, be having any fruits, and then. Slowly, with him experimenting on himself and then and learning more, he started uh, adding things or yeah, basically adding fruit to his diet. And then he finally, I mean, not finally, he's probably still experimenting. But now, recently, he's come to the conclusion that carbs are not all that bad, and it's like just adding like a few carbs to his diet as well. So. One one of the things that I'm a big um, promoter of is listening to your body. Um, mm, yes, I think there isn't like a cookie cutter approach. One diet fits all like for like, this is my journey and this is what has worked yeah, amazingly yeah. for me. And it will work really well for a lot of other people out there. If they're looking True. to try something different, mm. um, it's not for everybody. Um, yes. 
you know, it, it will affect different people in different ways, depending on their lifestyle, the other aspects. Genetics as well. Yeah, genetics. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's... No, yeah, 100%. It's like you got to experiment on what works for you. And sometimes, like, some of those things take time to show up. So, yeah, it's, it's hard, but, like, you're right. Like, it's all subjective. And when you speak about genetic uh, genetics, I remember, like, or like these people that have lived or, or descendants of the people that have lived around the Mediterranean, at least a study was done there, is because they've always been like seafood has been a big part of the diet. So they can easily observe omega-3 and 9 from like seafood. But if, if they switch to being vegan and they're not eating fish anymore and then they try getting different sources of omega three and nine, like it, they are, their body just cannot like absorb that, uh, like absorb that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, li- yeah. Listen to your body. Yeah. 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 If if you if you're lacking energy or you're not sleeping well or mm. um, you know you're not feeling well mentally, change your diet. Like. The whole idea of garbage in, garbage out. If, if you're not feeling good, don't have the energy, change your diet. Um, mm. That's where it starts. You know, for me, I the only reason I sort of desired going to gym and working out was because I had the energy to do so, and that came nice. from the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And stay away from the seed oils, you know. Like yeah, stay away from the seed oils. This, yeah. this is why we have such a big problem of heart disease and, and other yes. and other complications in life is because, you know, people, <laughs> one of the things that bugs me the most is generally people like the taste of butter. So they go to the supermarket and they buy the buttery spread because it's easier to spread on their toast or whatever the hell they want to put it on. Like buy butter and shove it in the microwave for a couple of seconds. It's not that hard. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. look at the ingredients of buttery spread <laughs> and then compare it to the ingredients of butter. Yes. Butter, the ingredients is butter. Buttery yeah. spread has a ridiculous amount of ingredients with, with a whole bunch of shit that will kill you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one, one thing is like, uh, I have just been reading like uh, ingredients on, on the, the products that we use in our body as well, right? Like it's like a, you're using a lip balm. Lip balm, there's again there's sunflower oil. It says it's beeswax, but there's sunflower oil, and oh whatever. Because <laughs> this, this is another thing this carnivore really has pointed out is like our skin. Uh, the skin you should consider your skin like a mouth. Like it's like a mouth. So whatever you put on your skin is actually getting into your body, right? So it's yeah. Like a, if you're not going to eat that soap, don't use it on your body. Is at least that's what he said. Yeah. So. Well, I, it goes back to this idea of like you can do everything that you can. Yes. Um, yes. But it takes a hell of a lot of work, or you can just take steps to to yes. better your life. Um, True. And I think that's a that's a an easier mouthful to bite off if you mm. if you just look at maybe changing something of your lifestyle every week or something. I don't know. Whatever works for you. You know. Don't try and do everything you can but you know looking at the change in my diet and lifestyle it has been so beneficial to me um and yeah i can't i look back and i can't believe what the kind of stuff that i was eating prior yeah yeah i mean 
probably at some stage T-Bone on, on these steps that you're taking and I mean I have a long way to go in terms of privacy and other stuff but maybe look at why you shouldn't be using a microwave. <laughs> I, I, I use the microwave for one thing. Uh, to melt butter. <laughs> no it's not actually to melt butter because I don't spread butter on anything you know. Oh I yeah need, it doesn't. I don't need bread or anything yeah, so no, the only no. reason I microwave is is to heat up my milk on, on occasions to make a to make a coffee um i do mm. have milk in it um a, yes. a lot of the time so yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah aside from that the only other reason i use a microwave is because it has a clock on it and i can see the clock <laughs> <laughs> not a pinch of salt so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but yeah I, I would be happy to to get rid of my microwave tomorrow i really don't use it so yeah, yeah. yeah. Tibon, we touched on like quite a few things. Uh, is there something that we didn't address and you'd like to share? Um, yeah, um, I mean, I could talk all day if you like, but <laughs> um, something I did want to um, discuss with people um, that are getting into Bitcoin and, and looking into future uh, where they'll be in a few years time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess when I say a few years time, Everything kind of seems to happen in a four-year cycle on Bitcoin, uh, sure. which aligns mm -hmm. with its with its halving. Yeah. Um, so, I I like to use four years as a kind of a guide. Like, what are you doing with Bitcoin today? Are you installing a new wallet? Are you mm. buying some Bitcoin? Um, whatever you're doing today in Bitcoin, think about what that's going to look like in four years' time, and position yourself four years into the future um, right now. Um, so one of the things um, that I think is really important um, for humanity is the idea of community. Um, and I don't know, I could talk about this all day, but I think there's a lot of people, particularly in the Bitcoin community, that mm. um, feel like they're on their own, maybe a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, they think differently to all their friends. Mm -hmm. They got rid of their TV. They, you know, stopped eating seed oils, whatever. You know, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a change in, it's a paradigm shift yes. um, for people. And it's, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to fit in. And I think a lot of Bitcoin is like that. Um, mm -hmm. Agree. Yeah. And I, I have a very estranged um, relationship with my father um, but looking back when I was young he, he left our family when I was quite young and I look back and I think there's a lot of similarities between me and him um, there's a lot of differences as well but mm -hmm. um, I, I think he was a Bitcoiner without knowing it right. but he didn't have that sense of community because the internet was very new back then. And mm -hmm. I, I think he just couldn't find his tribe. Um, yeah. I, I'm different in that I, I feel weird like he probably did and sort of out of place. But I found my tribe mm -hmm. and I found this community of awesome Bitcoiners. And I go to these Bitcoin bush bashes and meetups and conferences and I love it because I find all these weird and wonderful people that I can be weird with. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think if you're looking 
at the future, you want to kind of project what 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 you want it to look like in four years' time, <clears throat> as far as what people do you want to surround yourself with? Yeah. Where, where do you want to be physically? Um, you know, and what measures you want to have in place to um, be in a be in a good mental space as far as surrounding yourself with community. Yeah. Um, I think love is a human need, and mm -hmm. you need to find people who value community as much as you do. Yes. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, so just one last question then is where do you see yourself being in four years in the sense like physically because you did speak about location have you made any uh, any thoughts on that you... I, absolutely i think the last six months has has been um I've, I've thought a lot about um the next chapter of my life um in four years time i see myself uh on a piece of land being mm. um fairly self-sustainable as far as my money, my energy, and my food. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'd love to pump out, you know, one or two little Bitcoiners as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that, that would be the ideal next chapter of my life. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at at the moment. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, exciting. And I mean, maybe you want to share, don't want to share, but have you decided where this land is? Uh, in, not yet. I, I am okay. I am actively um, looking and doing some research. Um, do, I, do you I, think you're going to be international or still be like yeah around? I, I I would love to stay in Australia. Um, okay. That is going to depend on um, yep. what happens politically in the next mm. um, few years. Mm -hmm. um, I think Australia is. You know, obviously I'm biased because I was born here, but I think Australia is definitely one of the best countries in the world to live in. Um, yeah. And I'd love to settle down and, and set up something in Australia. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what is going to happen politically in the next few years, but, yeah. you know, this is, you know, being self-sovereign with your money means that if Australia, if, if the Australian government um makes australia a difficult place to live in with bitcoin you can decide to move your life somewhere else yeah. and that's very powerful yeah, yeah, yeah uh voting with your feet right? yeah 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 nice awesome people yeah this was uh a great yeah i mean lots of learning for me as well uh yeah, you did. I mean, is there anything else at all? If not, like, do you want to share where people can reach you or find you? Uh, I'm T-Bone Hoddle on Twitter. <laughs> um, the, I, I do have a Nostra as well, um, T-Bone Hoddle at Nostra Plebs, um, I believe. It might just be T-Bone at Nostra Plebs. I don't know. Yeah, my my NPUB is on my Twitter. Yeah, I'll just pop it in the show notes as well. So. Sure. Um, the only other thing that I, I'd want to suggest is mm -hmm. get out there and, and meet other Bitcoins. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you're in Australia, go to a bush bash. Um, mm. You will not regret it and you will meet some of the best people in the world. Um, and if you're fortunate enough, make sure you get to a, um, some of the conferences around the world. Um, mm. 
but yeah go and meet your community meet your tribe um yeah because if you're anything like me you probably feel a little bit weird and out of place and once you start meeting some of the other bitcoiners you'll realize that um you are weird but let's be weird together nice yeah thanks Stephen. yeah thank you i appreciate it thanks guys for tuning in and if you enjoyed the show all i ask is that you share it with one other person and i also recommend that you use podcasting 2.0 apps like breeze or fountain fm i'll link them down below this will help you earn bitcoin while you listen and it will also help support the show once again thanks for tuning in and i'll see you in the next one